right, hey, let's get into uh, let's get into the, today's message. Now, some of you guys will recognize this title. I've talked about this before. I'm starting a series this week called My Church. Okay, not your church. It's my church. No, geez. it's and by church, I don't mean this. Praise God for this facility. Uh, I, I was chatting with some folks before service today. You know, the day com- will come that the Lord will will move us into a phase where we'll get a chance to have our own building. We won't have to set up and tear down every single week, and we'll have a little bit more space. We won't we won't be rushed in case this place is rented or whatever. Uh, but for now, the Lord is providing our need to meet with this beautiful facility, and say and and uh, now understand this and we'll get into finances and stuff down the down the road here in a few weeks but understand this we are blessed this facility costs us roughly about five thousand dollars a year that's you know uh, if we owned our own building that that'd be maybe a month or two of mortgage right there right (laughs) so folk you know i have pastors all the time say man you guys are like this nice compact church how do you do you're doing more outreach and facilitating more then what we're doing, and we're like twice your size. How are you doing it? Because like, we only, you know, we don't have a whole lot of overhead. Praise God. You know that means all those resources can go elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to speak this out again. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to speak this out. I I believe when the time comes for us to have our own facility, God will meet that need. When that becomes a need, He will meet the need. I'm believing with all my heart, and and it's the Lord dropped it in my heart about two years ago. When that time comes. I believe God will meet that need. Either he'll have the finances prepared for us or he'll have the building just handed to us yeah. in some way. I don't know how. Say, so that sounds crazy. All things are possible with God. Yeah. And, and I believe that, that we are having an, an, an incredible impact uh, in what we're able to do. And a lot of it is because we don't have a big chunk of money that goes to a bank to pay for a facility every month. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with churches that are in that position or what. That's, hey, they're, they're on their track. They're on their calling. We have our calling that we're going to talk about here. But I will say this. Uh, I, I believe with all my heart, I, I'm, I'm not concerned with having an immaculate, gorgeous building so we can wow folks and say, hey, come to church with us. Look at this beautiful building we have. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a beautiful building that we take good care of, but at the cost of... Uh, forfeiting ministry and pursuing the kingdom of God, I'm really not that interested in it, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and you'll see here, because of the, the call that God has placed on this church, uh, there's a reason why we have that mindset and that mentality. Amen. So, uh, but again, I'm getting way ahead of myself here. In a few weeks, we'll chat about, uh, say, ooh, the preacher's going to talk about money. Yes, I am. I never, I, I never really preach about money. Except for about one time a year, we'll, we'll do it. And uh, folks are getting nervous. Trust me. Those of you who have been around, trust me. You don't have to get nervous. So say, preacher wants your money. No, I don't. I just want you to get a hold of Jesus. That's all. Say, God wants my money. No, he doesn't. He wants your heart. If he has your heart, he has everything. So uh, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 59. This is John the Baptist. He was just born. He's eight days old. And... Zacharias and Elizabeth, his parents, are bringing him to be uh, circumcised according to the law. It was a sign of the uh, Abrahamic covenant. It was a part of the Jewish culture. So this is what took place, right? 
Uh, the Bible says that all the family and friends had gathered together. This is very special. This is an important time. This is when he would be given his name officially. And so the rabbi meets with him. They're about to, you know, the priest is about to do the circumcision. So it was on the eighth day that they came to, the, to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias, who's they, the family, the friends, the preacher, everybody was going to call him according to Zacharias's name, right? Name him Junior, because that's what you do. Name him Junior. So his mother answered. Why did Elizabeth answer? Why did the mother answer? Anyone remember? Because Zacharias still couldn't talk. You remember? When the angel showed up, told Zacharias, hey, your wife's going to have a baby. He laughed. And so the angel shut him up. <laughs> said, forget that, you know? And he didn't get to talk until here in a minute. Well, that was the most peaceful pregnancy a woman has ever had. She didn't have to worry about her husband whining all the time, right? But the angel told both Elizabeth and told Zacharias, you're going to have a baby. God has heard your prayer. And God has named him John. You're going to call him John. His name is John. Not his name will be John. God already named the baby, right? Matter of fact, that's what she says. It says, his mother answered and said, no, don't call him Zacharias. He shall be called John. But they, who's they? All the family and friends, those closest to them that would have the most influence said, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. Now the old King James says, none of thy kindred are called by that name. So I included that in my title because it kind of sticks in your head a little bit more. And that's an important phrase around here, Okay. None of thy kindred, you don't have anyone in your family called by John. Matter of fact, do you realize no one in the Bible, I'm not saying John the Baptist was the first John on the planet, but no one in the Bible had been called John prior to that. This is the first biblical John that shows up. And they, they said, well, you, ain't, you don't have anyone in your family. No, call him Junior. Call him Eli after you. You're Elizabeth, we'll call him Eli. John, why are you going to call him John, right? So they made, I love this. So Zacharias has been mute for nine months. He can't talk. No one ever said he couldn't hear, but look what they, they made signs to his father what he would have them. What do you want to call this? <laughs> uh, he can talk, or he can hear. You don't have to like, you know, yet you know, people are, look, people were crazy back then even. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote saying, his name is John. What did he do? He just spoke what the word of God already was that was given to him nine months earlier. He learned his lesson. He said, man, I ain't laughing at God anymore. <laughs> I've been able to order my food since. I've had to do whatever Elizabeth ordered for me. So they all marveled. Immediately, his mouth was open, and his tongue loose, and he spoke praising God. He said, look, I can't name him. I can't name him Zacharias Jr. I would love to call him Jr., but I can't because God already named this child, gave him a name that doesn't even exist in our family. It's something different. It's something new. He ain't going to act like anybody else. I know I'm a priest. I know I should be taking him to the temple and training him in all the priestly manner, but you know what? He's kind of weird. He hangs out in the wilderness. He wears camel, like camel hair. He eats locusts and wild honey, and he's a radical preacher. 
because he's different. He's not like anything that's been part of our family. Right? Now, let's just set that story aside real quick because it does play an integral role of what God's trying to do. Um, I explained, first of all, we got a lot of you have shown up over the last five years and, and maybe you, you hadn't had a chance to kind of hear the backstory or what this church is about. Okay? Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the foundation of what Gathering Church is all about. Let you know we, we have a mission statement. We actually have a strategy. Uh, we have a statement of faith we're going to take a quick look at, okay? A lot of information. Uh, but at the end of it, my prayer is that those of you who have been attending, the, that have been like, hey, I really like this, that the Holy Spirit would move on you, that if you want to be part of us, let us know, hey, this is, this is church home. This is my home. I just needed to know what you guys were about. Or... The, uh, the flip side is you may go, hey, this is great, grand. I, it's not what I'm about. I'm going to move on. Oh, praise God, man. We're going to bless you and let you get planted somewhere, okay? Uh, but this whole phrase, none of thy kindred. So last week I talked about this incredible, crazy model that God dropped into the heart of Bob and Bob Kimball and Howard Porteous, both of which are kind of the founding apostles of this church. Uh, they are also the architects of this whole neighborhood. And so when... They formed the Nehemiah Company. They understood that, hey, we're forming a company to develop neighborhoods and communities, and yet God's going to have us use the capital, the profit that we make off of that, to invest in ministry, whether it's a church or some kind of a outreach that we can bless the community. So we're just not trying to be this capitalist company that's making a ton of money. We're, we're going to make money so that we can do the work of the kingdom, what a fabulous concept. And so what you're sitting in, church-wise, is really kind of the first model of that that they had a chance to put together. Uh, God had them design and start developing Viridian for the express purpose of being able to sell it, which they sold it to Johnson Development, and with some of that profit, turned around and was able to use it as capital to help plant a church. Because you got to have some money to get church up and running, Right. And, and uh, uh, so that's, there we are. And, and five years later, we're this church that is becoming, with every passing week, more autonomous and self-providing and everything. It's, it's, it's a blessed thing. Now, the exciting thing is the Nehemiah Company actually has two other communities that they are planting. One in Mesquite, one's in Mansfield. Uh, or, or, yeah, Crowley, thank you. And, and so uh, guess what the heartbeat is? They're saying, man, we got to plant some churches over there. So we're about to have some siblings here, hopefully, in the next few years. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. That's exciting. And so we're praying about, hey, is that something that we're able to support? Or is that something, you know, how, what does this look like? And it's all new. And the crazy thing about it, we, we say it a lot, we're building the boat as we float down the river. Because we've never, you know, this is a different pattern. This is a different model, you know. Uh, we, we've not seen this put together, right? So in 2012, when they really first started breaking ground here at Viridian, that was the word that God gave them. You're not just building a community. You're also going to plant a church, right? Uh, 2014, I move into the neighborhood. This is kind of how my trajectory came in here. And the Lord asked me in my first few weeks, I was sitting there having coffee, just enjoying the neighborhood and thanking God that I got to be here. There was a lot of houses. He said, look around. What do you see? I said, well, I see a lot of houses being built. He goes, look again. I looked around. He said, what do you see? I said, I see a whole lot of houses being built. <laughs> and he said, look again. 
And I looked around, and he said, I'm not just building a community. I'm building a church. I said, ooh, where? He said, look around. And he said, look, my church. He said, when you drive into the community, you're not just driving into a neighborhood, Dave. You're driving into a church. And I sipped on my coffee. I said, ooh, you got some heathen in your church, God, because, man, them people down there, I know how they are. These people, I think that guy's a Buddhist down there. I think that guy says he told me he was an atheist. And he said, you know what? He goes, you let my Holy Spirit work all that out. Your job is to love my church. So, okay, so that's what I started doing. Started getting to know folks. There wasn't a whole lot of us here at the time. I started making too much food on purpose so I could take leftovers. Matter of fact, people used to, about 5.30 in the evening, they'd peek out their window to see which house Dave was going to. Is it going to be my house tonight? And the Lord would tell me, he said, when, when I tell you who to take it to, you tell them that the Lord had me bring this to you. And that turned into folks coming to me. I, I had a chance just to, because all I knew is I was supposed to love on, love on this church, love on these people. And, and uh, got to have coffee with a lot of people that turned into prayer sessions, counseling sessions, just friendship sessions. And uh, I thought that was all well and good. At one point, I asked the Lord, I said, because he kept saying, pray for my gathering. He'd wake me up, pray for my gathering, pray for my people. So I would pray. I had no clue that he was going to plant a church called Gathering Church. Uh, had not really gotten to know Bob and Howard yet. I'd met them at a couple of little neighborhood events. Um, at one point, I asked him, I said, is your gathering going to meet anywhere? Now, I had no clue I was going to be a part of this. I was associate pastor across town over in Garland. I was slated to become senior pastor one day, had grown up, had, had most of my adult life had been pouring into those families. And uh, just thought that was my trajectory. But he said, I said, is your gathering going to meet? He said, yeah, down, down at the Lake Club. I said, the Lake Club. He said, yeah. He goes, matter of fact, get on your bike, go down there, pray. So I hop on my bike, go pray. I showed up. There, this whole place was nothing but a big mountain of dirt. We didn't have pools. We didn't have this. We didn't. I said this. He goes, yeah, that's the Lake Club. So this dirt. I said, yeah. So walk around it, anoint it, pray for it. So I would do that. I would walk around with my anointing. I would pray for it multiple times. I had no clue what I was praying for other than, why, Lord, we're praying. Had no clue. In the meantime, God was still moving on Bob and Howard, who had every intention when this building would be built, they would outfit it with everything we would need to try to have church. Had no clue any of that was going on. It's kind of fun how God orchestrates stuff, right? So I asked him finally, right? Am I a wonderful church anity mind? You know, born and raised in church, Said, Lord, what kind of this gathering, this church, what, what kind of church are you planting here? And the word that he said was, None of thy kindred are called by that name. I said, What in the world? So I went, hopped on my phone, looked that phrase up, took me to this passage of John the Baptist. And I realized what God was saying. What I am doing doesn't need to be patterned after anything that's been patterned before. What I am doing does not need to be patterned after a particular denomination, a particular style of worship, a particular brand of church planting philosophy. What I am doing is supposed to be John. I've named it. I've identified it. Don't try to make it like anything else. You know, he already has a gateway. Praise God for gateway. He already has a watermark. Praise God for watermark. He already has a Central Bible Church. Praise God for Central Bible. All these other wonderful people that, that have grown and, and, and harvested and, and have thriving churches. Praise God. 
but this was supposed to be something that he said, don't, don't pat you just, it's going to follow me. So I thought, what an incredible word. So that was the word I began to pray for. Still not understanding I would have anything to do with this particular congregation. So uh, long story short, 2017, uh, uh, 2017, October 2017, church launched. And some of y'all were here that first week. Uh, I was not. Uh, but in January 1 of 2018, so about two and a half months later, I get called into a coffee meeting. Bob was there and a few other folks, and they said, we've been praying for a pastor. We already got about 20 to 30 people consistently coming. They need a pastor. And I'm just excited. I thought, man, this is awesome. You know, thought my trajectory was this way. I was just cheering this on. And this is how dense Pastor Dave is, because they said, we've been praying for a pastor. We've had other churches offer, hey, if you become a satellite of us, we'll send you a pastor. And they prayed about it, said, no, 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 that's not what, we're just not feeling that. And God finally told them in a prayer meeting, said, you know, you've been praying for a pastor. I've had someone in the neighborhood pastoring the neighborhood for four and a half years from his front porch. And I'm like sipping my coffee going, man, I want to meet this guy. I thought I knew everybody in the neighborhood at this point. And I was like, who is it? I want to meet this guy. And they all looked at me like I was an idiot. You know, they, you, I said, me, you've been pastor. You're the porch pastor. That's what everyone called me. So I, I didn't know that was what I was doing. Anyway, long story short, just a few months later uh, of May. So May, this May will actually be five years for me. Uh, May, that May of 2018, I had the honor of stepping in and, and beginning to serve and shepherd. And, and that's kind of how this whole trajectory has come about. But this word has remained with me. Every time I've prayed about, oh, Lord, we could do this. Or I get, you know, I start reading up on church growth articles and, oh, God, we could do that. And he would say, I none of thy kindred. You can't call it junior because I've already named it John. That's why some of you who've come for a few months say, man, I've been trying to figure out what you guys are. <laughs> You've told me that. And I said, you know what? I've been here four and a half years. I'm still trying to figure out what God says we are. But isn't it crazy? Now, I realize we, we have a culture of worship that is indicative to Western style of worship. That's just because you know, it's kind of what we are. But isn't it crazy that the Lord has brought together folks from every walk of Christianity and brought us together to worship in unity? All those years, man, we couldn't get the Baptists and the Methodists to sit down and get along for decades. And y'all definitely didn't want us Pentecostals showing up, right? <laughs> and all of us were trying to hurry up with church so that we could beat the Baptists to the buffet afterwards, right? <laughs> and yeah, here we all are coming together and just having a good time in the Lord and, and accepting folks for where they are. Man, folks that would like to get excited when they worship, awesome. Folks that like to just sit in reverence and just soak it up, Awesome. The Bible says to, to praise him in spirit and in truth. So make sure you're, you're, you're aware of his presence, his spirit. Matter of fact, the word inspired means in spirit. So make sure you allow your worship, however you want to worship, to be inspired and let it be in truth. In other words, don't raise your hands just because you think somebody else wants you to. Or don't stand in silence just because you think someone else wants you. If that's your true worship, do it. 
Isn't that beautiful? So there you go. A little backstory. If you've been attending for a few months or whatever, you're like, man, I'm trying to figure out what y'all are. Well, that's kind of how we, how we came about, right? Uh, so we actually have a mission statement. How about that? Gathering Church has a mission statement. Now, everything about us is simple because uh, God doesn't want us to com- complicate things and uh, throw a monkey wrench. In, <laughs> and uh, the gospel is not that complex. You know, the good news of Jesus is not that complex. And yet we have a way of making it crazy. Everyone still with me? Yeah. All right, we're going to go through this really quick, all right? Uh, some of this information you can find on our website that we're going to talk about. Or if you want, take some pictures of the slide, all that good stuff. But here's the mission statement. Simple, to know him and to make him known. We just want to get to know Christ all the more. Because the more we get to know him, the more we can be like him. And it can't stop there. We got to get out and let people know about it. The greatest thing we can do is tell people about how Jesus has impacted our life and how good he is and not judge people, not berate people, because look, we're all a mess. Matter of fact, some of us are dumpster fires, but it doesn't matter. He loves us all the same and I can't change anyone. Say, are there folks, folks who live in lifestyles in this community and the greater community that doesn't line up with the word of God? Absolutely. And I don't have the power to change one person. But the Holy Spirit has the power to change that person. And if I can introduce them to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit can do his work. And trust me, it's a full-time job for the Holy Spirit to try to change Pastor Dave, much less anybody else. So that's our mission statement, to know him and to make him known. So if anyone says, does your church have a mission statement? Yep, to know him and to make him known. That's simple. We have a strategy. It's very, very simple. It's gather, grow, go. Gather, grow, go. We want to get together. That's why we, we, we have lots of times for folks to get together, not just a fellowship, but uh, we, we have times of worship. We have Bible studies. We have fellowship. We have activities like yesterday. We, we don't want to just get together for the sake of having church. We want to grow. Say, well, grow numerically? Well, you know, if the Lord adds to our fold, praise God for that. But what I, I'm not worried about having 700 people if 70 people aren't growing in Christ. What good is it to have 700 if we can't even get 70 of us to grow, right? So my, my intent is for all of us to have the opportunity to grow and evolve as believers, evolve as Christians. So we grow, we strive to grow in faith according to his word. We strive to grow in love as we embrace the friendship and community of each other. And then finally, go. We, we provide monthly opportunities. Every month, there's a chance for, for those who want to. We can corporately get together, and we have some kind of outreach each month. Sometimes it's really simple stuff, like, like uh, yesterday, just passing out popcorn and loving on folks. You know. Other times, it's direct evangelism. Other times, it's stuffing backpacks with Mission Arlington to prepare children for school. You know, it, it, it varies from month to month, but it gets, a, it gets us into, I call it sacred service. It gets you in, a, in the habit of sacred service, right? Uh, matter of fact, so that's our strategy. Does your church, your church plant have a strategy for growth? You can look at them real serious and say, yes, gather, grow, go. That's our simple way. We, we want to know him and make him known. And how do we do it? Well, we gather, we get together, we grow, we learn, and we grow in our faith, and we learn to trust him more and more. Then we just want to go. We want to get out. We want to take it to the greater community. Even the world. And uh, the Lord's given us the opportunity. Consequently, 
just so you know, you ever like see online how like certain logos have certain things that represent like what they're about and you go, oh, I never knew that. Notice we have three ripples underneath the G. And the G stands for gather, grow, go. We have three ripples, one of which is because we gather together down by the lake every, every day. The other part is it represents our strategy. Gather, grow, and go. Everyone say, oh, see, look at that. Pretty cool, huh? See? That's impressive, Michael. I don't care who you are. That's impressive. And that's Mr. Marketing right there. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? I'm still counting to three. I just... <laughs> if you just count the colored lines, not the white lines, just the colored ones. All right. <laughs> All right. We have a statement of faith. And we're going to go over it really quick. And I'm going to read through it. And then we're going to do communion. But, man, I get fired up every time I read this. Because, man, this is just good truth. Okay? We all come from different backgrounds. And so it became very necessarily early on for us to say, you know what? As a church, we can all get together. And these are basic Christian truths that we can all agree on. Maybe it's not worded exactly the way that you, it was worded when you were growing up. But we could agree on this stuff. And then everything after that is just really wherever you are in your walk with the Lord. Amen? Everyone still with me? Yeah. All right, we're going to go through this. It's really simple. The Bible. The Bible is God's word to all people. It tells the true story of God, man, sin, redemption, and reconciliation. Scripture is comprised of 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament. Since the word is inspired by God... The Bible is the supreme source of truth without error and completely relevant for daily living. There's a whole slew of scriptures to support that, back that up. You can find this on our website. You can take a picture of it. If need be, let me know. I'll print you out a hard copy, and, and, and you can have it. Okay, for the sake of time, we're not going to read all those scriptures. The Trinity, some folks would call it uh, Trinity, unity, oneness, however you want to phrase it. There is one God. Infinite, eternal, almighty, and perfect in holiness, truth, and love. In the unity that is God, there are three coexistent, co-equal, and co-eternal persons. Some would say manifestations. Some would say representations. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each person within this one God serves a different role. All right. Everyone agree with it? Yeah. All right. God, here we go. <laughs> God, God the Father is the creator of heaven and earth. God is great, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, unchanging, completely worthy of our trust, and holy. He is loving, compassionate, and faithful to his people and his promise. God is sovereign, created all things in the praise of his glory, and intends for man to live in a right relationship with him. Isn't it awesome that God's got an intention for you, and that's to be in a good relationship with him? What a loving Savior. Tell you, I get excited. Jesus, here we go, man. I feel like preaching on this one. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Someone can say amen. amen. <laughs> he was present with the Father at creation and had fellowship with him and the, uh, with the Father and the Spirit before man was created. He was born of a virgin. Say amen. amen. Lived a sinless human life. Amen. And offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of all people through his death on the cross. After three days, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death so that he, we could have life. He is God's plan for bringing those who are enemies of God back into a right relationship with him. Through his substitutionary death, 
He revealed divine love and upheld divine justice, removing our guilt and reconciling, reconciling us to God. He ascended to heaven and will return to earth one day to reign as king. Oh, hey, all right. We got to see. Look at See, we can have church just reading our, uh, our, our uh, statement of faith. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. That's what y'all all need, a double dose of the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is present in the world to make people aware of their need for Jesus. He unites believers to Jesus Christ through faith and dwells within them. He provides Christians with the power for righteous living, an understanding of spiritual truth, and the guidance for doing what is right. He convicts people of sin, comforts, gives spiritual gifts, and makes people more like Christ. If you're like, man, I could never be like Jesus. The good news is you're right. But the Holy Spirit inside of you empowers you to be more like Jesus. And so that's what we all try to do. We're trying to walk, walk this walk. The gospel, man, excited about that. Jesus Christ is the gospel. The good news revealed by his birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Christ's crucifixion is the heart of the gospel. His resurrection, the power of the gospel. His ascension, the glory of the gospel. Jesus Christ is the mediator between people and God. Christ's death satisfies and demands uh, of, uh, satisfies the demands of God's justice and appeases God's wrath. There is no other name by which man can be saved. This truth reveals God's mystery, mysterious love, and His amazing grace. Aren't, aren't we privileged to know the name that is above all names? And that you can study spiritualism. You can study. Look, there's some incredible teaching by some incredible people that lived, and and spiritual truth nuggets show up all over the place. But the Bible says there is one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. And that's the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess is Lord. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. Human beings. That would be some of y'all. Men and women are made in the image of God. Look, you are made in God's image. Isn't that beautiful? You are made in God's image. They are to be like him in character and in person. Human beings are the supreme object of God's creation. Although each person has the potential for good, all are marred by sin against God. Sin separates humans from God and causes hardships in their life. As a result of sin, people cannot attain a right relationship with God through their own efforts. Anyone agree with that? All in favor say aye. aye. Any opposed by the same sign? All right, all right, that's good. See, y'all, we're all walking in. <laughs> Salvation, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross provides the only way to salvation through forgiveness of sin. Salvation occurs when people place their faith. Now, I highlighted that. That's not, you know, that's my highlight because you know me, man. When it comes to faith, trust in God. And when you, we place our faith, our whole trust in the death and resurrection of Christ as sufficient payment for our sins, salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned through a person's efforts. Praise God for that because, man, I would fail miserably if it was up to my efforts. Eternity. Humans were created to exist forever, either eternally connected with God through forgiveness and salvation in heaven or eternally separated from God in hell. Heaven and hell are real places. Don't be fooled by what you hear. They're real places. I know, hey, I know where I plan to be with all you guys. That's all I'm saying when the time comes. The church, that's y'all. Anyone remember the old song, I'm in this church, this glorious church? Nope, just me. Yep, all right. I was not, I didn't join, no, I was born, I had a new birth. All right. 
by his word and by his spirit, God created the church, the body of all believers, calling sinful people into fellowship. The church is not a religious institution or denomination. Rather, the church, the body of Christ, is made up of those who have become followers of Jesus. The church exists to worship and serve God by doing his will. The church has been called to preach the gospel, make disciples, to transform the world. The Holy Spirit has gifted the church for equipping people to mature and grow. All members of the body of Christ are to be a vital and committed part of the local church or the church. All members are to be equipped for ministry to one another and to the world. Finally, last things as revealed in his word, God will bring this world to an end at his set time. Jesus Christ will fulfill his promise and physically return to the earth in glory. At this time, the dead will be raised and Jesus will judge all people in righteousness. According to scripture, each person will receive their reward. The righteous will dwell forever in heaven with the Lord in resurrected and glorified bodies based solely on their faith and the atoning sacrifice of Christ. The upright, the unrighteous will be consigned to hell, the place of everlasting punishment for rejecting the provision of God for their sins. So there you go. That is, uh, that is our statement of faith. As believers, we all come together and say, okay, look, we're going to come together on this. Now, for those of you who want to speak a prophecy, those of you who want to pray in tongues, those of you who want to practice Lent, those of you who want to, you know, whatever, whatever the deal is, hey, this is, going, this is your individual walk. We'll all grow and learn from each other. But at the same time, we can come together and jointly agree on this as fellow believers. So, uh, so what I have revealed today is our mission statement, our strategy, and then our statement of faith. For those of you who have been like, man, I'm trying to figure out what in the world's going on here. That's John. <laughs> Whatever version of John God has called us to be, this is how we were walking out to the best of our ability. So my prayer is this. If you've been attending and you're like, man, I really feel connected. I really kind of like this. I've moved close. Maybe I'm in the neighborhood. Maybe I'm close by. But I really, this is, if, if you feel like God has called you to be planted here, for this to be home base for you. That awesome. Praise God. Let us know. Let us know. Say, well, wait a minute. I haven't, you know, I, I'm still a member of, you know, First Church of Awesome Life down in San Antonio or wherever, you know. Uh, awesome. I don't, I don't want you to relinquish any of your connectivity and spiritual family. Praise God for that. And, and, uh, you know, we don't make this huge thing about membership. Oh man, I got, I got the membership card. I got the G tattoo. I got, you know, or whatever, right? It's, I'm not, when, when I talk about membership, it's not a matter of, oh, well, you got to relinquish yourself from that fellowship so that you can become part of this club. I don't mean it that way. But if, if, if you feel that, hey, for, for this season of my life, whether it's the next 10 years, the next two years, the next however long, this is home base. And this, this is where I want to plant. This is where I want to, I want to be fed. I want to connect and fellowship. I want to help make a difference in my community. Uh, I will support uh, how I can financially. I'll support how I can even with some, some of my time and volunteering. This is, I want to be a part of what God is doing right here. Let us know about it. There's multiple ways you could do it. The first one is just good old-fashioned way. Just come up to me and tell me. <laughs> the, the other way is uh, we've, we've actually got a card, a membership card. Just fill it out. Say, well, you've already got my information. Well, I, you know, I, I just want to, number one, it'll help us update it in case our information's old. Uh, but, but just let us know, hey, 
yeah, I, I, I want to become a member. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to relinquish fellowship and membership from, from where the Lord has brought you from. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, you don't get any uh, special treatment. for. Oh, pastor's even extra nice to me. He gave me a hug rather than a handshake because now I'm a member. No, it's not anything like that, right? Uh, but what it does let us know, we have a wonderful shepherding staff, pastoral staff, that we are called to shepherd the flock, the sheep of this fold. That doesn't mean that we cast out anybody else. That doesn't mean that uh, we ignore the needs of anyone else. We, we tend to folk as the best we can, but we also know who becomes the sheep of this fold because that's ultimately who we wind up being responsible for, that we're called to. Uh, it doesn't exclude anybody. We, we meet a lot of needs within the neighborhood. Uh, but but we, also, we also know when the Lord says, hey, pay attention to one of your sheep over here, it's, it's a high priority thing for us because God's, you know, you guys are his sheep. You're not our sheep, <laughs> you know? Uh, I don't have control of you, but the, the Lord has placed me in some spiritual responsibility for you if you are part of this fold. So if you're like, hey, no, I, this is the fold I need to be in, awesome, let us know. Or if you say, hey, I just enjoy kind of hanging out and receiving, awesome, we love it. Uh, uh, I'm not going to treat you any different. <laughs> so, uh, but, but at the same time, it lets us know who, who the troops are, you know, when, when we need to do some things or who we can call on, who we can depend on. Uh, and who's kind of marching with us, amen? Uh, all right. That's all I got. Sorry. That's all I got today. Let's all stand. <laughs> amen. I'm excited about what God's doing. I felt like the, these first few weeks going into our sixth year, we are half a decade old. Praise God for that. So so we're kind of resetting, uh, uh, re, relaying some foundation to let folks know, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're about. If you're excited about it, if you feel connected about it, let us know. Uh, uh, man, it, we, we would love to kind of walk this next leg of the journey with you, okay? If you have not received a uh, communion element yet, uh, raise your hand. Aaron's going to come by. We've got uh, one right over here. Aaron's going to come by and let you, let you get a communion element, amen? Just begin to prepare your hearts for this celebration. The meal, the meal is a celebration, uh, sometimes it's a super somber thing. Sometimes it can be something, man, we, what Christ has done for us is absolutely phenomenal, okay? Uh, now, I will say this. Some of you have already, uh, like the musicians and stuff, we, we actually took the time and did communion uh, before service because, you know, they get up here and they're working and it's kind of hard for them to change out and do some communion stuff uh, during service. So, so uh, we, we actually did a time of communion with some of the staff and some of those that are working even out and. uh uh, the the uh, children's children's ministry, Amen. Hallelujah. Juan, do we have a communion? Yes, excellent. We're going to go ahead and read uh, read from Matthew chapter twenty six. As they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. He then broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat for this is my body. I want everyone to hold up the wafer that represents his body today. 
Father, we thank you so much for the, the broken body of Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice. That should have been us on the cross. That should have been us paying for our sins. That should have been us broken. But because you suffered, Jesus, I can walk in newness. Because you who knew no sin became sin, it allows me to be the righteousness of God in you. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you were wounded for my transgressions. That's my outer sins, the sins I place into action. You took outer wounds for that. Lord, you were bruised for my iniquities. That's internal injuries for my internal sins. Thank you for atoning. You've got me covered outside and inside because of your broken body. Partake of the body and allow his spirit just to minister to you. Verse 27 says, and he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Lord, I thank you for the sacrificial blood that is applied to my life to wash me cleaner than, cleaner than white snow. Father, thank you for erasing my rap sheet forgiving all my sins Lord the book of Psalms says your blood forgives sins and heals us from all disease so Lord I claim physical healing physical health emotional health mental health today from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and for everyone who is a part of this meal today Lord we claim your word on that. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Partake of his blood today. Father, you said as often as we do this, do this in remembrance of me. Those were the words of Jesus. So Lord, we remember you today. We put you back together within us. And in doing so, you put us back together. We are remembered. Let us walk out of here whole, healed, and complete. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give them a hand clap of praise as we sing one more song?